0: Well, welcome to the latest Lots of Pizza podcast. Today is a very special pizza pod. We bring in the High School Hockey podcast crew to talk about high school turning points. A turning point could be defined as a uh, big turning point in time in high school hockey, a team's turning points, and then we'll also dive a little bit into the last 10 years of champion teams and their turning points, what turned into their championship season. We hope you enjoy the show, and we will have a very fun time today.
1: Love is a burning thing.
2: And it makes a fiery ring. Bound my wild desire,
1: I fell into a ring of fire.
0: All right, boys, are you ready to jump into the ring of fire? <laughs> uh, we are kind of in our own little ring of fire. Uh, I am here, Tony Scott, on the Lotsa Matza Pizza Pod, and we have Carl in Duluth. Carl, how are you doing up there?
3: Hey, Tony. I'm surviving, which I think is about all most of us can say right now, i been uh, Working from home for going on two weeks now. Um, hanging in there.
0: That's <laughs> about help,
3: it. Going for runs, doing what I can to stay sane.
0: So people often ask me, um, Tony, you should put the po- high school hockey podcast on Zoom like like a lot of teams are doing. And, and I said, well, there's a reason we don't do it on Zoom. It's because Danny looks like complete garbage half the time he comes in here. And today, Danny, let's describe what you look like.
1: Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Speaking of Zoom, I've been on Zoom, Skype, Microsoft Teams, WebEx. You could get fired
0: with that beard.
1: So uh, and hair or what, it, what is that hair or what is that? Okay, so full disclosure: I got sick from, at the tournament. I I threw out my voice, and then I think I developed bronchitis from
0: that, or COVID. One oh, of the two. One of the yeah. two. Yeah. We don't know. We have so no you idea.
2: Me
1: and
3: I play it all of the blue. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, okay, well the, maybe
0: patient
3: zero.
0: <laughs>
1: Well, the problem is I couldn't get tested because I was not a high risk enough patient to get tested because I hadn't traveled around the country right. or out of the country, and I was like, I was around a hundred thousand people mixing and a mingling. Yeah, so um,
0: you probably I, were just sick. I mean, I I, I think you, that you never was, had a fever, did you?
1: I don't have a thermometer. I live in a studio apartment. Well, downtown. you would know if you had a fever. Well, so I was, you know. Pumping in. Then uh, I think uh, on March 12th was my last day in the office. And so um, I didn't go in on Friday, started pumping Advil and Pedialyte, you know, that whole weekend. Finally kind of cleared out of that the following Tuesday, I yep. would say. Um, and I haven't shaved since the 12th. Wow. Tony, this is how you knew me. I know. This is how we met met each other.
0: We called you the terrorist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was a caddy and that's how I met Tony.
0: Osama bin Danny, we called him.
1: I had many nicknames. I was Hezbollah (laughs) at some points. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, and so then I've been working at home ever since. And then I had a, um, My We have, like, a morning call, our team does, to, I think, make sure everybody's still alive. Yeah. And we had been doing that on Skype without video. And then my boss on Thursday was like, oh, let's do this with video. And, like, meanwhile, I live in a studio. I don't really have, like, a spot that – so I don't have a desk – my desk is my bed with my laptop hooked up to an HDMI cord to get oh my, my second God. monitor, oh my, my TV.
0: God. I don't want to imagine this. And my all.
1: bedroom is surrounded by jerseys. too. He's
0: 62 I- listeners have just went down to 21.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yep. Yep. My, my bed is surrounded by jerseys. Deep. So Bearded Danny, oh surrounded Can by we get to 28 show? or 29 jerseys. Yeah, it's been, it's been bad. So I've been stuck in I mean, Minneapolis without a car. And it's been lonely.
0: What are those? Mm, what like are those? De- what are those depression yeah. pills yes. like Xanox, <laughs> Xanax, Xanax, or, the,
3: the Zoloft?
0: Zoloft. I, I think need you need some. some. I think you need the old some. you
3: the state You feeling hopelessness? Hopelessness. <laughs> <laughs> I am.
1: I am constantly searching for high school hockey jerseys on Facebook Marketplace oh God. and eBay. This isn't to, good. So I won a Chaska jersey yesterday, so I was pretty happy. But oh anyway anybody please. cleaning Where's out their the mute button. Anybody cleaning out their houses, look for their jerseys, let me know.
0: All right. Okay. Um, (laughs) I suppose begging has worked for you. you I suppose begging has worked for you in the past. So why not? Why stop, right? Why stop? All right. Um, I'm doing great, Carl. Thanks for asking. Uh, I I got a feeling we're not going to get many words in. It's going to be like the Danny show.
1: I'm lonely (laughs) and very needy. Couldn't
0: be happier to be on a podcast right now. (laughs) Um, Not talking about lawnmowers. Okay. Before we. Before True. we uh, get into the turning point section, which is inspired by a thread on the High School Hockey Forum, by the way, because I thought it was a great thread. How, you how are too. you doing,
2: though,
1: Tony? How am I doing? Yes. I'm doing
0: great. Um, I have a full house. Um, yeah, everybody's I, home. Everyone's home. Um, we had kind of a banger last night. His girl, Jake's girlfriend's in town, so we kind of just partied it up pretty good and... Played loud music and danced and stayed up late. It was kind of, kind of reminiscent of the frat days. It was. We were were up late last night, and uh, usually um, I'm the last to go to bed, even even with my kids. I'll ask them. I went to bed first last night because of this podcast. (laughs) So life is good. I'm doing a podcast every day. I've met some really interesting people and had some really interesting conversations with a great variety of people. Gold medalist Karin Bai Dietz was probably the best one that I... Uh, interview that I did, you know, here's a woman who had an Olympic dream and they didn't have women's hockey in the Olympics. And then it happened and she got on the team and first Olympic team, they win a gold medal. I mean, that kind of those kind of stories are really cool to learn about. Where
1: do we fall on this list now? Well, this will probably be the (laughs) most listened to
0: show of all of them because of the of the uh, following that we've built over the last five years. But uh, you guys are very interesting in your own way. How's that?
1: I appreciate that. Very interesting. Mike Randolph said he liked
0: us. Yes, Mike Randolph, like, blubbered. On the pre-show, he blubbered even more than the actual show about how much he loves running into the three of us at the rink and how much we our show does for the promotion of high school hockey. And he was really complimentary of what we do at White Youth Hockey Hub and high school hockey coverage. So it was fun to hear that from Mike Randolph. I mean, here's a like, – Mike
1: does so much just himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool.
0: All right, so here's some news and nuggets before we get in. A huge thank you to uh, Lotsa Matza, the Brewpub Pizza, for their sponsorship of all Youth Hockey Hub uh, events and and programming over the past. I don't know. I can go back to 2015 when they uh, when I met Chris Ramsey and then the and JJ Halverson uh, over at Brewpub. Been a great uh, group of people to work with, and they're a great sponsor of our programming. All right, so the National Development Team uh, did not have tryouts. So they just named their team.
1: Oh, I didn't know that they didn't have trial. No,
0: it was, the trial was supposed no. to be in late March. They just, oh. okay, well, here's our team, and they send out contracts. And uh, Wow. Uh, area players uh, that weren't, um, area players that were. Uh, not high school players: Maddox Fleming, uh, Cole Spicer from Grand Forks, Isaac Howard from from uh, Hudson, and and Ryan Chesley from he's from Delwood or Montemita. He's a shadow kid. Those guys got selected. Then high school hockey players that we're real familiar with: uh, Charlie Strammel and Jimmy Snuggerwood also uh, were selected and and signed a contract with the with the program. Uh, as I predict. Projected a couple different days after the NTDP announcement. Nick Pierre from Hill-Murray signed a tender with Sioux City. Uh, So he'll be playing in the USHL next year. He's guaranteed 55 games to play in that league. And and congratulations to Nick for that. Um, There's been a dozen maybe, a dozen plus uh, coaching changes in high school hockey. Here's a few that I thought were interesting. Alexandria. um, Is it Ian? Yeah, Ian. Ian well, no, Rush. Re- okay. I uh, totally just blanked on his yeah, name. Yeah. Um, and we had it. Alexandria coach step down. R E S C. Ian Rush. Yeah. I yes. wanted to say Ian Rush, but it uh, didn't feel Sorry. right for yeah. me. Um, Ian Rush, uh, <laughs> uh, Eastview, Hibbing, and Virginia. I thought those were the uh, interesting ones, uh, considering Virginia won't. Is c- the Virginia job is really interesting because. In I theory, re- the Rockridge team will go into play in two or three years. So this coach who's taking this job, is he the incumbent to the Rockridge job or is he just going to be a coach for two years? Yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. of a lot of limbo there. Um, the Hibbing job um, became available. Um, I don't know if that's a great job, a great rank, but I don't know if that's a great job either. I mean, are there any sure. great jobs so that are have-
3: coming up, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Hibbing, yeah. and we
0: yeah.
1: we can talk about, uh, we didn't mention Hibbing, Carl, when we were doing show prep, but when De Checo left Hibbing, that was a turning point for Hibbing. Yeah,
0: yeah. no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Um, so, and then one quick uh, announcement, uh, Charlie Strobel uh, committed to the University of Minnesota, which is classic. That's like, the, the recruiting rules changed to a year and a half ago, and something happened uh, at the state tournament that used to happen when I was in high school. Guy would go to the state tournament, blow up the state tournament, and all of a sudden, he signed at Michigan! He signed at Minnesota! He signed at UMD! And and it happened again, you know? I mean, there is no question his three-game performance in the state tournament earned him a scholarship at the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So...
3: Yeah, definitely. So I've got one quick question over sort of on the news nuggets area. So let, let's say this virus drags on for a few months and, you know, junior teams lose their summer camps. Does that means your people end up leaving next winter
0: i don't know um no no that's a good that's a really good question i I thought you were going a different direction with that you said when and they don't have their summer camps and then did that mean when you said does that mean i'm like does that mean some teams go out of business that is very realistic
1: That's yeah. yeah, especially in the NAHL sphere That's when there's how they 45 make
0: their teams. Mo- they they literally have these camps that they're making $25,000 a week or uh, uh, in a weekend. And people are like, "Oh, it's such a money grab like without those money grabs, just speaking for NA teams and USHL teams without those money grabs, that is how they pay salaries of coaches. That is how they pay everybody. And without that money coming in, without that re- that guaranteed revenue of those mm-hmm. camps. And these camps are great. I mean, kids do get noticed at these camps and do make rosters as a result of these camps, or they end up in the NA3 as a result of these camps. There is a functionality for these camps. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do make money for the clubs, but I think the clubs are going to be in some trouble too. Well,
1: it it doesn't necessarily benefit Minnesotans as much as people that play in different states that scouts don't look at all the time.
0: Correct. I think it hurts them more.
1: I, yeah, I think it hurts yeah. the Illinois and yeah. the, that type of you know the I, Pennsylvanias. I
0: think it does hurt kids. those those kids more than Minnesota. Minnesota kids seem to be on the radar, and a lot of that has to do with what we do on at Youth Hockey Hub and, 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 and Minnesota Hockey Hub, and it's so people always the, they always say the coverage on, at, at hockey in Minnesota is like no other. I mean, you think about it, there's if you're playing on a U16 team uh for honey baked, no one knows who you are until you actually arrive at Wisconsin or Minnesota or wherever. You know, no one knows who you are until that. You know, scouts know who you are and, 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 and the NTDP people know who you are, but no one else. It's not on like, on such a broad scope as we have here in Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Well you look at the other sports like lacrosse or things like that. Where where would you find lacrosse who's the best national High school player
0: for lacrosse. It would be hard to find.
1: I I have no, like, I know for football, I would check, like, rivals or. Yeah, I'm sure there's a rivals. I'm
0: sure there's a website. I'm sure someone has, you know, figured it out. But it's
1: not as, like, pinpointed. No, as 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 it is here.
0: I mean, there is no doubt the coverage here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's dig into this. We're going to start in macro and then we'll go micro. And macro meaning some just big historic turning points. In uh in high school hockey in Minnesota. Uh Carl and I were have been uh charged to handle the historic end of this and then Danny's gonna run the segment where we go the last ten years. Uh the champions from the last ten years. So Carl, you wanna get the ball rolling with some stuff back in the uh in the fifties when when hockey was just basically a northern sport and the metros were just kind of catching on?
3: Yeah, a the nation history and so now, we were trying to find you know what one of the first metro schools to do things and St Paul Johnson kind of screws it up because they you know won championship in 1947 they were really the exception in a lot of the early years where they were doing well but we found the first uh, state tournament with an all metro final which was 1955 between uh, St Paul Johnson who won this is you know I believe her Brooks' senior year it is against, yeah uh, against uh against the Tony's alma mater, Minneapolis Southwest
0: yeah, and Southwest, just from a historic, that's a school that was only six years old at the time. It was it's founded like in 48, 49. So the fact that they made it to state just six years in, even then, is somewhat uh, interesting.
1: That is weird. You
0: know? I, and and no. I, I know people who went to, uh, were in the first graduating class. A friend of mine's dad was in that first graduating class. He goes, the minute Southwest opened, obviously everybody left Washburn and west and ended up going to southwest and it it became it, it was immediately a really hopping, you know cool place cool to go place to. to go you know and when he was describing it it was kind of like Eastridge or Eastview now like all these people leaving Apple Valley or leaving Cottage Grove mm. and going to this brand new school and brand new everything had a swimming pool the whole deal it was mm. it was it was a, a really a neat place to be
1: how did they um, do you know how they played youth hockey then outside no All the parks, well, you know. It was was it like Duluth? Was it a park system?
0: Yeah, Minneapolis okay. Park Board. Okay, for I'm sure. Just, yeah, uh, for sure. So and those they played outdoors. Skate,
1: skated with each other. They just played for a different high school. High school, probably, likely, oh, oh, likely. That's yeah. all I'm. So. Yeah,
0: that's probably likely how it how it all went down. So, all right. So it's it, funny when we were t- we were texting in our texting about this, and I thought the first all metro final <laughs> was 1969 and. Carl, my good oh, friend, okay. Deleuze, like, no, it was fifty-five, <laughs> you know, and we'll get the we'll get the nineteenth. And
3: I shopped out twenty about three times in a row. Oh I my
0: god, one. it was just gunned down, <laughs> gunned down. I was. <laughs> It was sad. Carl
3: is the
1: runner of fun. He, he just is a kills fun me
0: all the time. It sucks. But we'll get to 1969 because it was a momentous night or momentous tournament for sure. There's a lot of symbolism that happened in that game. Between 55 and 69, any other things jump out at you? Uh,
3: nothing too major. You, have to, you know, the International Falls kind of ruined everything for a while in the 50s. Rodo had a run of three titles in four years. Duluth, stuck one in 1960, half which was... Actually, at the time, kind of unique because it's a rare non non Ranger further north championship. <laughs> and they were the second
0: furthest south team to win in you know first twenty five years of the tournament. <laughs> well, they had they had yeah. I think part of the reason Duluth didn't have a lot of success in the in those early years is because you I mean, obviously they had great hockey. They were they were playing yeah. hockey in, in the parks all over Duluth, but I think it was just kind of watered down, right? You had Duluth East, you had Cathedral had its own little private sector yeah, success. Yeah, and they were great for a while there. What's that? And they had some
3: absolutely great teams in the 60s and probably yeah. could have won Oh, Section 7.
0: Very they been in. very easily could have won those. Yeah. And then Two Harbors and, and Silver Bay, who are now kind of feeders to the Duluth system, they have their right. own <laughs> greatness going on as well. So it was just kind of spread, yeah. more spread out.
3: And I have some of the, the scores from those old Region 7 tournaments, and you just see, you know, or, so at the time, you had a, like, a district that played immediately after the regular season, too. So you played your district, all the Duluth teams would play each other, and all the range teams would play each other in their district, and then, then they'd meet in, I think, the section quarterfinals, and it would match up, like, number one seed on the range, against number four seed in Duluth. Yeah. first does the cross end like, every year, with a couple of exceptions, but
0: the range teams just slaughter the Duluth teams year after year. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I'd like to dig into that.
1: We think gerrymandering wow. is bad nowadays. Yeah, it was
0: probably really <laughs> bad then. Yeah.
3: I, I just,
1: you'd have to think.
3: All right. Yeah, and you get some of these wacky ways of getting to tournaments. Like, there were some years where I think, like, this us was in Minneapolis, maybe. They're just like, okay, you won the conference in the regular season. You're the section champion. Dumb. Really? <laughs> no. That's it? Yeah. There wasn't yeah, a, a
0: section tournament?
3: There... <sighs> I would have to dig this all up again, but there
0: are some really bizarre ways of counting champions. So funny! Here, here's a funny story. Um, I was there's this, you know, you know, you guys are familiar with the Alm brothers from Minneapolis South. Um, one of them, and I, I think it's Gary. Gary, let's just I'm running with this, right? Gary yeah, sure. Alm sure. works at Bloomington Ice Garden, and every once in a while, I'll just stop him and we'll talk old time hockey, city conference. University of Minnesota, all the things that that he did and all the guys he played with. It's fun to just chat with them, and uh, so we got to talk. And I said, "What was it like playing?" He's like, "Well, we played mostly outside. You know, all the games were played outside." I'm like, um, "So you had the Westby brothers and the All brothers. You guys have must have just dominated." He goes, "Yeah, it was a little bit different time then." I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, when you were more talented than the other team, the other team would just take the puck and, and, and ship it out into the snowbank, and then we'd be looking around the snowbank, and we couldn't find the puck. <laughs> you know? Okay, well, we got like 10 seconds. Uh-huh. That time they, they throw a new puck out there, and then they would just <laughs> ship the puck out of the snowbank, and they basically would stall because they wouldn't have stop time until like the last three minutes of the game. Oh,
3: it reminds me of that outdoor game he blew a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was, corner, yeah.
0: He goes, Yeah, so we would win most of our games in overtime or win one to nothing. Because eventually we could beat them, but it was they would just play to the you know just, you know slow play the to game the one, down. One goal possible. As much as they could. Yeah, it was just it was it was bizarre to hear that. And he goes, Oh, then you make the tournament we get to go play in and then he goes, Yeah, then we got to play inside when we got to play in the tournament. Like it was a big deal to play inside. That's weird. So um, let's move to 1969, Carl, do you want to, yeah. do you want to, you want to give me your perspective on it? I can give you a little bit of my perspective too, on when Edina, uh, wins the state title and everything kind of changed.
3: Yeah. And it was such a watershed game too, because, you know, Warroad was I think, probably the favorite coming in or Henry Boucher, who was you know, one of the greatest players to ever play high school hockey and then you know midway through this game he died hits him and he goes down and he's hurt and hits is you
0: know, a I mean, very
1: that's... relative term there
0: cheap shot
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah took the ring off like, his he's... finger <laughs> <laughs> but
3: you know that's such a turning point in high school hockey because he comes back and wins it's the first suburban championship and all of a sudden you know i think that's that's when you kind becomes the die in high school hockey and you know, don't get guys hated, but it's really been from the very first championship they won, even before they you know, built this reputation as a hockey ball house. It's, yeah,
0: it. It, that, it just it hockey of, forever. It just kind of was the birth. It was kind of the birth of hockey, and and what goes along, what what happens next is really important for hockey historians to understand, or people who are interested in hockey history. What 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 happens? In 1969, 1970, 71. If you go back, you walk into one of these suburban ice rinks. There's always a little plaque, you know, like oh, when was the rink born? You know, and then and, and then you always see the the mayor and you know like all the little names that were there when the when the when the rink was born. And it's always you look at the rinks: Burnsville, Bloomington, Bramar Richfield, Richfield. They're all born like 1969, 1970, like in about a two-year span, two or three-year span. Like rinks just popped up everywhere in every suburban community all over the Twin Cities. And that's when it really started to change the landscape of what would happen at the state high school hockey tournament.
1: Yeah. Rinks, rinks play a huge factor on communities being good at hockey.
0: Absolutely. It's Absolutely. the
1: number one factor.
0: And we'll get to that later in the mid-90s when they talk about the Money Ducks bill. But I think that's a big turning point. Where do we go from here, uh, Carl? Probably the
3: 1975, which um, is when it's just a giant change in basketball yeah. pr- hockey. It's like you you add private schools and you get rid of the northern back door.
0: Yeah, it all happened in one... Fell soup. I would have loved to have been at the uh, MSHSL oh. meeting when that all went down. Okay, guys, I got this proposal here. We're gonna let the privates in. Oh, what?
1: And we're gonna shut you down. And
0: we're gonna close down the the back door game from the north. What? Yeah. I mean, a lot changed. And then I was telling these guys, my to my listeners, I was telling Danny and Carl, I'm like another big thing that happened in in and around this time. Families were getting color televisions, right? Really good. We got a Sony Trinitron oh. in like 1974. Right? Humble break, I guess. Oh, we <laughs> were huge. We got this son- this color TV. So not only did you get to, was this all happening with the private schools and, and, you know, it was kind of the playing field was a little bit more leveled. You got to watch the state tournament in color. It was pretty cool. It was like in a lot of other sports as well, but it kind of became the state tournament became you know NCAA basketball, college football quality event. It was no longer this kind of yeah, it's kind of neat. You know, it was neat for thirty years, and then by the mid seventies, it became life. Yeah, it, it really became did. the tournament. It really did. That's kind of when it became big, is when statewide TV and it. Not that it wasn't on statewide TV before, but now it's in color. And well, everyone's in, you know?
1: Yeah, and every team can make it there. Every school had a chance to make it, finally. Yes, yes.
0: And that's important. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, uh, then, you know, and three out of the next <coughs> five, three, how many years in a row did, did Grand Rapids just dominate?
3: Um, they, they, well... They went to a run where, you know, starting in 1975, they won three to six championships, and their second and third in there too. So,
0: so so much the for year, the right so right. much for the North being not, not kept out of the tournament, right?
3: Yeah, That's right. yeah. But uh, I think that, that gets us to our next turning point, though, which is really in, in 1981. In this uh, state tournament uh, quarterfinals, Grand Rapids this upstart team called Livington Jefferson, and it's like their second tournament ever, and uh, Grand Rapids is Cruising along, winning three to one in the third period, but they give up one goal. And then uh, it's Steve Bianchi who ties it up late. And then uh, Jefferson wins in the first minute of overtime. And then they'll take them at 37 years for a range ish, pedantic range ish team Yeah. So that's, and then Jefferson, of course, just dominates high school hockey for the next 15 years. So that game was such a turning point.
0: So let me walk back before that, because um, I want to talk about the Bianchi goal, because that was kind of the day the music died for the city conference. So about maybe a week prior to that, um, Jefferson and Southwest are playing at the Met Center. It's the early game. It used to be Section 5 and Section 6 at Met Center. So, 5 would always play the first game and 6 would play the second game. It would be the equivalent of Mariucci today, you know, about the equivalent of what Mariucci's like, but with 7,000 more fans there. Mm. Um, Full. Um, And Southwest is playing, and they're winning. Uh, I know they're they're in control of the game. It's late second period, and the ref gets hit in the head with a puck, and down goes the ref. And uh, it seemed like it, maybe it wasn't 45 minutes, but it seemed like forever to get the ref off the ice, and I'm pretty sure they might have just done a resurface at that point and played the rest of the game in the third period. Jefferson comes back, mows down southwest, and they go to state. So many people in the Southwest circles feel as if the ref doesn't get hit with the puck, Jefferson Southwest wins that game. It's always the ref's fault, right? (laughs) Um, And and the best part about it is if you're on the 81 Jefferson team, you probably don't even remember that the ref got hit. Like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was down for a minute or two. But from a Southwest perspective, oh, he was down for like an hour. Section games
1: are always remembered more by the team that loses. (laughs) It's, it's it's so true, true. It's totally so
0: true. true, totally true. I'll never forget. I was a West kid at the time. You know, Southwest wasn't even really an option until about six months later. They announced they were going to close West, but I remember going with Tom Chorsky to that game, uh, because because we, we wanted to see name drop. We wanted to see Southwest beat. Jefferson, because we knew how good Jefferson was, and and it just didn't happen. We, we drove home with our dads that day, and we're like, man, we knew that the, the, we knew at this point that. With the, with the two rings at, at, at Bloomington, we knew they had the resources. They knew they had the players. They knew they had the money and all the you know. It, it was just the beginning of the end. And so that was. And then and then Bianchi goes and scores the most unbelievable goal. One of the five best goals I've ever seen in the state tournament. He just danced around this kid from Rapids who tried to go hip check him. Goes in, scores, ties it late, and then they beat him in overtime. It was. That was it. That was the the, the the day the music died for the city conference. I mean, even though they had some decent teams in the mid '80s, and a team, an Edison team, made it '94 according to Carl in Class A, but yeah, in Class A city yeah. conference has never been the same since that day.
1: Um, not to totally side rail your story, but are we not talking about the um, John Marshall win?
0: Uh, because Did, they were Southern Minnesota.
1: Do you think that's a turning point? Sorry, we skipped uh, by that. Yeah. yeah,
0: I just think that's a that's big their, that's a big win, and they were a great
1: hockey program. But it's there was no sustained success yeah. from that, was there?
3: No. Yeah, they had, they had like a three year run. They finished second again in '79, but you know it was a nice little surge. But
0: and they you know, lost. They a nice lost. Little
3: in the, surges happen everywhere. Here, they lost
0: but. in the finals to Jefferson in '89 too. Okay, I'm just yeah. yeah. So there was they were decent, but I don't think there was a turning point up or a turning point down for Rochester until 2009, you know? Okay. I think that's the turning point in Rochester hockey.
1: Do you think Jefferson winning does more to expand hockey than Rochester winning?
0: Yes, for sure.
1: That's that's the ultimate question. I think that's what goes – Ro-
0: Rochester is kind of its own brand, kind of like the Iron Range. I mean, it's just it's it's such a big town and and, and fed so many people, fed so many high schools, and so many players. That I think that it was it's kind of its own beast and and okay. and, it, and that beast and died in like we said in two thousand nine two thousand ten and it hasn't been the same since. Okay, and we'll get to Rochester later. I would think. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm just throwing that out there because that's that's a common to- talking point. Yeah. In the seven late seventies is the Marshall win, a uh, John Marshall win. Um. So that's kind of why I say that.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a. USHL semi-pro type of team called the Rochester like Mustangs, Mustangs, Mavericks, something Something like that. that. And a lot of those guys stayed, and then had stayed in Rochester, had families, and then built the program to what it was. Okay, that's really I I learned that from a pizza pod with Sean Podine a couple weeks ago. Oh, how how they all got involved in hockey. I mean, they they, uh, talk about rinks. Rochester's got Graham's got four. Yeah and the rec Rex Center's center. got two. I mean they, and then and then you figure Dodge County uh, cat, the, the rink out there, they have seven rinks within like drivable yeah. very drive, very very drivable rinks. So
1: anyway, so right. yeah, that was a turning point in 81 for Minneapolis. Yeah. to in the
0: start of the decline. Very much so. Um so do we move forward? Um, am, I, am I missing anything in the 80s? Because you can't forget. I mean, if you think 75 was a big switch, 92 is probably the biggest yeah, I would agree classes yeah. from one, from one a, class 1 to B, yeah you know, type
1: of thing with the biggest turning points ever.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Um So the, the classes turn in 1992. We go to this stupid tier one. Like, we just ignore the fact that that happened. It was just such a brutal mistake. It's
1: The Rosemount
0: It's scene. brutal. Did they win tier two? Uh, Rosemount? No, uh, they, they made it to the finals. Second. Who won? I mean, that's embarrassing. Avellis won. Green, in, Greenway, Greenway, and Avellis. Greenway. Yeah. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I mean, I'm sure yeah, they and took. I
3: think they're embarrassed by it too. Like they, they kind of hide those banners. Yeah, they don't <sighs> talk this about didn't them. Really
0: happened. That's yeah. embar- it was embarrassing for everybody. All right, but I had a text string last night. Last night with a guy just. So he, Who we were, was it? Why don't we I'm name I'm not that gonna then? name the person. I'm not gonna do that. Oh, it's bigger than the
1: than what we know, Carl.
0: Hey, um, Anonymous sources. Did and they win a, the
1: Stanley Cup? Did they um, win a gold this medal? This
0: guy did not win a Stanley Cup. Oh, his son pro. has won a state championship, is all I'll say. Okay. His son has won a state championship. So I'm talking to this texting with this guy last night and we were talking about turning points. And he thought that he literally texted me, he says the single worst thing that ever happened to high school hockey was switching. To two classes, and I single handedly admonished him that this is the, it's the single greatest thing that's happened. To high school hockey. I hated it at the time too. I thought, oh, this is stupid. But now looking back historically, this has been fantastic. For high school hockey, I would be the one to argue that we should have three classes because I think there's just enough good hockey being played here, and I think we've we've had this discussion before that I think that there's so many teams that don't get that don't have a shred of hope of even making it out of a Class A section that are pretty decent could be a decent story. I think it might keep kids
1: longer. Yeah, in Minnesota hockey as well. Maddox Fleming might be a good example of that.
0: If Rochester were playing an A.
1: Or let's call it B. Yeah. Even, you know, like if they were playing, you know, in some sort of thing, I think he would have stayed longer than one year. Right, uh, that type of player, that type of you know.
0: Yeah, who's to say Maddox Fleming? What no, this no, I'm just saying. It, yeah.
1: sorry, I, I'm just using yeah that as, as a an example. Holder.
0: Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I agree. I agree that that. Uh, and again, everyone's like, "Well, how would you manage it?" I'm like, "It would just all be played at Mariucci this the that tournament, except the championship game would be played at noon, and then you'd have the eight. You know,
1: kind of old like old Schwann's cup. Only gold would get played at Ritter, correct? But then once the finals, everything got played at Ritter.
0: Everything. That's the way I would see it, and and they would still get a state tournament experience. You know, the whole deal. It would be live streamed or something, and then the championship game would be played on public. You know, on the the statewide TV. Sure. That's my take, but I think that's a huge part of it. And and I and the the example I cited um, is Ben Hanowski. No way in the world would Ben Hanowski's Little Falls team be able to make it to a one class state championship. No, they weren't that good. You know what I'm saying? They would not have, there's no way they could have threatened. Could a St. Cloud Cathedral have won section back in the day, section two? Yeah, they could have probably won section two. You know, they were as good as they were, they beat. They beat Andover and Andover and and Saint Cloud back in those days would have been in the same section. Could they have gotten there? Yeah, there's a few exceptions. Hermantown is one. Saint Thomas. Saint Thomas for sure could have. Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think for the most part, it opens up the opportunity for a mammal. And it opens up the opportunity for, for North Branch. And it's great for their programs. It it grows the game. There's no argument across it's the game, good. and Hermit Town's
1: a perfect example of that. It's good for War Road. It's good for Thief. It's good for East Grand All of them. They all
0: have hope yeah. to get there every year, and then it keeps kids playing, and then they see their team make it every few years. And it's good for Moorhead as it's well. Gu- it's good for everybody. This two-class thing is good for the entire game. Is it good for Edina? Well, Edina doesn't care. They're going to go no matter just, how many classes they have. You, you follow what I'm saying? It's it do, do you want to
3: go through some class patriety points quickly? Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah perfect. It's sort of had a few
3: over the years, too. And if you look at like the first five years of Class A, it was, I think, almost exactly what everyone thought it would be. It's like all Warroad, International Falls, Evelift, Red Wing winning championships, all these, you know, small little schools up north. Even this little town of Swap called Hermantown finished the second in 98, you know, comes out of nowhere. <laughs> but, right. Uh, then, I mean, then talk about nobody. Of... No, Hermantown yeah. was nobody. Yeah. 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 Absolutely nobody. And then in 1999, though, things start changing. Billy Benilles, under Ken Pauley, wins its first state championship. And then you have, for the next 15 years, 12 classes, which Class A champions are private
0: schools. And <laughs> this is a total shift in the mindset. And this is what makes people want to barf. They hate that. Yeah. They hate the private mm-hmm. schools. You know, buy a state title. Send your kid to the school so you can go play in the state tournament. That was a very hard thing for people to the the traditionalists to swallow. It was a really hard pill to swallow.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for a while, you know, Waro still won a couple championships and they were a consistent contender. But then, really, after 2010, they kind of fall off. You know, they lose to Breck twice in there. Breck wins two championships, even with Brock Nelson. Waro can't win. Then, then you sort of end up in this era from about 2010 to 2016 where. There, there are four teams in Class A that have any curve winning. You know, St. Thomas from the final every year. Brecht wins, wins one, and eventually East Grand Force comes along. But it's you know, really predictable. You know which three or four teams are going to be there at the end.
0: It's just a matter of who you know, beats who in the semis, really.
3: And we're still kind of living in
1: a four-team era of Class A in a mm-hmm. lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I think it'll stay that way for a while. It's just
1: based on how sections are made in yeah. Class A. Yep, that it has to in but, a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah I agree.
3: But at the same time, I think things have really changed in the past four years, though, and I look at the 2017 tournament as a real turning point because that was the year Monticello goes on its little run and finishes second, Northfield pulls an offset, and if you look at the past four years, we've had you know, three three straight first-time champions in a row, Montevideo, Cathedral, Orono. You have Greenway finishing second, you have Monticello finishing second, you have Alex finishing second, and yeah, still there. It's still the big dog, of course, but it's really, really opened up in
0: the past few years. Yeah, I still think, you know, we'll, we'll get to Hermantown in a little bit. That's kind of our last talking point in this. Can we go, is that enough for Class A? Because I want to go yeah. back to 95 as a big, another yeah. big turning point. And I think sure. the Mighty Ducks bill gets passed in 95 and subsequent to that, 61 new sheets of ice get uh you know littered across the state uh, not just the Metro they're all over the state which is just great for the game like like it, like time is money well in 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 hockey terms ice equals money because ice is so important to access to the game and and, and, and give the legislators credit uh, from the state to to seeing how important it was to get getting those sheets placed in I think one of the biggest uh, sheets that you know people what what got built out of those sixty one I can tell you for sure that uh, that the super rink was part of this and so the eight eight sheets there really opens things up for for people in the suburbs of Anoka, uh, Coon Andover, Rapids, Coon Rapids, Blaine, Blaine, Moundsview, all those people all got a sheet. It did kill though, it did kind of cannibalize the Columbia Heights Columbia rink. It because didn't. it I mean that, that was the they okay, and I remember I talked to somebody. Maybe it was Pete Carlson, the guy who runs the rink, or somebody knows how it all got built, how, how the rink got built. And there was actually talks like we're going to save Columbia Arena because Columbia was just a, I mean, it's got so much history. It was it was an unbelievable facility, and with a lot of lot of tradition there. And I remember there was actually some horse trading going on. The story was told there was some horse trading going on with, hey, if you just close down Columbia, we'll build you a rink here at the Super Rink. And it'll be brand new and whatever. I'm like, yeah, but if you live in Columbia Heights, if you know Central Avenue, Columbia Heights to 101st or whatever it is, 101st and Central, that's a deal killer as far as kids or just going to Columbia. It was that was not a good – the Super Rink, no matter what you tell me, was not a good thing for hockey in Columbia Heights and Brooklyn Park area people. <clears throat> it was no. not. It just was not a good thing. That so, killed it. So there's a little bit of a turning point there that just kind of came up, popped up on the show that I never really thought about until we talked about it.
1: Well, uh, we didn't talk about this in show prep either, but that's when Braymore South got built too. Yes. But you think about it, Braymore South getting built – late 90s right yep all those kids that braemar south feeded made the Dyna program what it is today today because those are that ice right those are every kid you know from my year on up you know i remember when braemar was two ranks i learned to skate on east i didn't (laughs) you know south was a weird rink you know, type of thing. It was yeah,
0: and, and interesting you talk about that area um, because Dino Hockey still to this day buys ice from Minnesota Made and Blake. Yeah, yeah. and Breck, they're buying ice from those because there's not enough ice in just those. Now they have four. And rinks.
1: EP, I want to say too,
0: they might. I think dip EP into survives it. on their three alone.
1: Yeah, but no, Edina might
0: dip in to take EP? some. EP, yeah, maybe. I don't. I've never seen that. They 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 buy some from. I'm trying Bloomberg. to remember where kind of They buy bad ice from Bloomington as well. Meaning like we used to... four o'clock in the afternoon, nine yeah. o'clock at night kind of stuff.
1: When I skated back with like '90s and '2000s, we used to buy ice. Jefferson would buy Augsburg.
0: Oh, yeah. When Jefferson yeah. was big, yeah. when Jake just got <laughs> started in the early days, when 2005, we were buying ice in Invergrove Heights. Our Mites practices were at Veterans. <laughs> yeah, there,
3: there was a spell where Luffy had practices in Hood Lakes.
0: <laughs>
3: what? Yeah. yeah.
2: How far is that?
3: It's oh, over an hour.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and AHL had a team then, too.
3: Uh, it may have been after.
1: Oh, after AHL's decline? Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, one more turning point uh, that we didn't talk about, and this came up in show prep. So, uh, I thought it was. We talked Wait, about Wait, stop on what?
1: 95. 95 is a big. Just a, the tournament alone, it's a turning point.
0: What do you mean? The two... do, do we want to get into the
1: decline of Paul Jefferson
0: now? Okay. No, we'll get to that later.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah. We'll get later. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, ninety five is just a big year in
0: general. Oh yeah, let's let's, let's stay there and go and go there. And then and I want to finish with two thousand fourteen because there was a big moment in yes. two thousand fourteen. So nineteen ninety five. Go ahead. We're going to talk Carl. about the, the rise and fall of Bloomington Jefferson.
1: Well, why yeah. don't you talk about the rise of Duluth East though, Carl? Because that's that's what sure. really changes here. Yes.
0: Yep. They all yeah, they so all happen. The
3: east side. It's just kind of a gradual process, you know. And Tony did a good job with Mike Randall also pulling out this story. You know, of his hiring and, and Randolph telling, you know, the administration, I'm, I will go to a state tournament within five years or you should fire me. And it was you know, classic 91.
0: You mean, yeah. Carl, you can't make that up. But he said he, yeah. he the, what he didn't say on the, sh- on the show, but he said in show prep, he's like, yeah, yeah, I went to the interview two years prior and they gave the job to some guy else, some other guy. And I was just mm-hmm. livid. You know, he didn't yep. get the job to start oh, with. And then so two weird. years later, he goes into the principal to meet, and he goes, I'm not going to get it again. I could just feel it. Yeah. So I said to the guy right at the end, I go, yeah, if you don't give me the job, if you give me the job, I guarantee we'll go to the state tournament within five years. If we don't, you can fire me. <laughs> yep. Can't make yep. it up. It was like, all right, thanks Rand for that jewel. You know, oh God, that's so <laughs> Rand. The best part of all, he knew in the back of his mind, he's got Locker and Spihar winning state championships at Pee Wee's. You know, and he knows that anybody could. Yeah, the writings this. on the
1: wall. He was at Denfeld at the time, right?
0: No, no, he- uh, I- no. He was at Cathedral. Oh, oh oh yes yes
3: yes yeah. yes, yes sorry my bad <laughs> all
0: right all right keep going Carl
3: yeah so first they go take 91 with a kind of off star team and, and then um and then I think and of course they get buried by Jamie Langen and okay for a couple of years though and and, and, and we 94. talked about
0: both of that too didn't we Carl yeah. on the show they talked about how yeah. how hard they were to beat in the in the early mm-hmm. 90s. Cloquet.
3: In, in 94, so Cloquet, you know, Langebrenner's gone, Petrov's gone, Morozik's gone, but 1994 still, you know, East, I think, loses four games the regular season, but two of them are too Cloquet, and so they're they go into the section title having to play the team that they can't beat, but they do finally beat Cloquet in 94 final. I think that's really turning point for the program. The Nets are up there running to 95 when they knock off Jefferson, and we'll get into the title of Jefferson later. But.
0: And they killed Jefferson. Yeah, they dismantled. Mm-hmm. It was like five them. nothing. It wasn't even close. Five nothing,
3: and it was it was four nothing after one. You know, Bihar had his hat trick in the first period, and then uh, a rest so really history really from there. Yeah, and you know, and then you no, know, that somehow a bunch of kids in in Duluth have T-shirts printed. You know, overnight that say said, you know, each five, Jefferson zero. Any questions for the next day? And what then, did it, what did it say? Each five, Jefferson zero. Any questions? No
0: way, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the picture
0: of these shirts. Yeah. Um, so they go on, and and, and and the rest is history for East. I mean, literally from that point, it was a turning point of Duluth hockey. It all mm-hmm. changed. I mean, talk about the movement of bodies. Bodies started to move towards the East, right? I mean, no more Denfeld. Yep. Denfeld had, hasn't been relevant. They'll be relevant again next year, but they haven't been relevant since right Mm-mm. they beat the yep. east they, you know how many oh, times yeah. did um, yeah and when did Central go away like 09 yeah yeah then
3: Denfield and Central merged for a year in 10 yes yeah or in 10 11 yeah
0: okay um so let's talk about the demise of Jefferson hockey I've I could I can probably write a book on it because I lived it yeah, I watched it,
3: really it. um death it, by a thousand cuffs yeah. You, think well, you start with, okay, moving to the East, you know, and, and that's the formal end of the dynasty, but then I think a year or two later, John Bianchi, who's, you know, Satterdall's assistant for many
0: years, leaves. Yep. Because and his sons aren't there anymore. Yep. yep. You know,
1: it, look, there's a lot of reasons behind it, but that's it's, one of them. So he
0: leaves. When does Treble take the Holy Angels job? It's like 90, in that same time, 96, 98, period. Too. Yeah. Okay, I think so it's 98. Year. Year. Yeah. and then it all just we talked about this show prep it just kind of can everything kind of cannibalized everything yeah in, in that part mm-hmm. of the town and i kind of was living there at the time well and so, i saw it all kind of happen right in front of my eyes so
1: when i grew up i i grew up in bloomington jefferson um we would beat kendi pretty easily yes it, it, it kendi was a win on our schedule Let's yep. put it that way. By
0: the late 90s? Yeah. Yes.
1: Kendi was. And so the, at that point, Kendi had hit its decline. Yep. And so Kendi was always the feeder program to Jefferson. It, yep. it, it just it was a natural transition. You just kids. move yep. across th- 35 and you're in Jefferson.
0: Or they would just open and roll. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, that was a big deal.
1: And so then you. Once that started to decline, and then Holy Angels started to pick off. When what,
0: Treble left, he started to take Jefferson kids. It,
1: which uh, then Jefferson didn't have enough coming in to support the pickoff that Holy Angels was doing. And the other factor on that is Treble was the Bantam A coach. Yep. So Treble was really, he was Sat's, Coach in charge of the youth program. Yep, and when you lose your youth program's head coach, yeah, because Treble was probably the most loved coach of all those coaches, yep. or not coaches. Players.
0: Dan was up there. Too. Yeah,
1: sorry, I, I'm. But a lot of people will speak very, very highly of Greg
0: Treble. Yeah, both those guys. Yep. Yes,
1: and so when you lose that, then you your tree just starts. To, to rot, rot. yeah, and, and, and it will show itself. It might not show itself year one, year two, but when we get to two thousand and five, it's fully there. It, yeah,
0: and the, the and, best part is they played each other in the state tournament yeah. in
3: two thousand five. Yeah. Well, start and, with the ninety nine section final, which is probably the first blow. It Toledo is the four seed and knocks off Jefferson
0: to win the section. Yep. Then, yeah then you get to 2005 and you can and then holy Angels wins again. Yeah well what's interesting is that they cannibal, they all cannibalize each other so um, Holy Angels cannibalized Jefferson Jefferson cannibalized um, cannibalized Kennedy Kennedy cannibalized Richfield I mean they all cannibalized each other and now they're all very struggling programs. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, Kennedy's with Southwest Christian, uh, and and they're with Richfield. with Richfield, Richfield at Youth. Um, Jefferson is. In way big rebuilding mode, and so is Holy Angels. I mean, yeah. they've never since 2005, none of those programs have been the same. Jefferson's had a couple blips. Two thousand
1: and nine a, was a Jefferson blip. was still
0: pretty good though. Bad, I mean, yeah. they were they were they, from 05 to oh9 They were still pretty good.
1: They still had they, they had were still good pretty players. good. They, were, they, still pretty they good. were still a name. Baby blue was not feared, but baby blue was known.
0: It, by 2010, to, to the last ten years it has not been as relevant. I mean, and and that's when we vinyl. really
1: see the cancer of the whole program kind of come in, and but, that is Tony
0: Scott. Yes, it is. I am the cancer. I <laughs> no, actually they moved no. there in ninety eight, so it's perfect. Treble yeah. went Treble <laughs> goes here. Treble goes to Holy Angels. Tony Scott moves into I West Bloomington. get
3: out of here! Yeah, he yeah. was gone. You <laughs> saw me.
0: Won't move in the neighborhood. He was. I'm gone. I'm going to Holy Angels. <laughs> yeah, that is um, a coincidence.
1: I don't think so. It's what's called blue lighting. Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: that happened. That happened.
1: Um, but no, that's kind of when uh, when Sats left, and then like just little things just started adding up with that program, and it just failed. Yeah, and, yep. and it could. When you are you can't build a youth program anymore, you can't feed your high school. Nope. And I don't think uh, – people overlooked that aspect uh, in Jefferson and overlooked how vital the youth program was and pushed that aside and just assumed that they would be good in high school.
0: Yeah, I, I could tell you – I'm not going to name the dad. I was like, isn't this kind of troublesome? We're not winning a lot of games here at the youth. And he goes, oh, Jefferson – this was a jefferson dad who actually went to jefferson he looked at me and says jefferson will always be good and i'm like mhm i lived in southwest minneapolis and i think a few people said that too you know <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of that around jefferson Just a lot of pride Just there a was lot a, pride,
1: uh, a lot of pride a lot of misguided pride yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so um just because I know this because I, I have a brother that played in Jefferson yeah. and, and stuff. And it it was just people didn't realize what was happening around them because they they walked through Rink 2 every day and, and they saw it. the it's, pictures. They see the pictures, yeah. It, but they didn't realize that the pictures – Weren't there anymore. There was no really? new pitchers. Yeah. No, yep. no. And so, sorry. All
0: right. So let's. Can we skip to the 2014 things? We still got some teams to cover. Sure, go sure. Still, we and hustle. we can
1: cover other stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So 2014, um, uh, Hermantown. It's 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 it's, it's a worthy discussion. I thought it, in show prep we got pretty heated uh, in show prep. So I want to talk about um, in 2014. Uh, Hermiton moves back to Section Seven. Yes, right. Yeah, This is a that big is key, and this this affects everything. Yeah. Right? It changes the landscape of all of those Iron Range teams, like Greenway, Evelith Gilbert, Virginia, International, International Falls. International Falls all of these teams now used to go to state because Hermiton mm-hmm. was in Section Five for a spell. It all yep. changes. It was like the music died. Right. Yeah.
1: The Iron Range died.
0: It did. It really died. And when you know it's – you know when kids like uh, Eric and Darian Goats move from Hibbing to Hermantown, it's a big deal.
1: And how many section finals did Hibbing win, Carl, without Hermantown, or how many did they get to? Uh, They were in like – 12 in a row or
3: something. It was an absurd number. They, they won yeah. only three of them. But, but yeah, it was an abs- every year.
1: absurdly amount that yeah, Hibbing yeah. was there. So if Hibbing kids are moving out,
0: <laughs> this is huge, huge, right? And it's changed the landscape. And, and again, if you're from Hermantown, don't take this the wrong way. But Hermantown has become the bully of... Th- the iron of northern, northeastern Minnesota, as far as Class A hockey is concerned. And they're not a bully. Of, it, they're nice peoples. But they literally, because they have their system in place, it's changed the landscape of Class A hockey in that yeah, part and of the
3: really state. It's really changed overnight. Cause you look at, you know, the one from 2011, 2013, Hermantown was a little underdog playing St. Thomas and all, all the Iron Rangers and northern people. Yes. They love Hermantown. It's like, yeah, go Hermantown, stand up there, fight for the North against St. Thomas. But... That was when they were coming out of Section 5, so you know, being St. Cloud Cathedral and some you weak know, historically hockey programs to get there. Then all of a sudden, St. Thomas is gone, Hermantown is the favorite, and they're in the same section. Yeah. <laughs> and the world has
0: changed. Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. When- yeah, they were probably cheering for him. The Iron Rangers was probably yeah. cheering yeah. for Hermantown. Yeah. Oh, it. think about that.
1: Yeah. Against St. Thomas, everybody was cheering against them. Yeah,
0: and then yeah. they then they lose just two I – mean, I can't tell you how many. Was it seven in a row or six in a row in the championship seven. game? Seven in a row? Six. Seven. Six. six. Six? I think it was six. I thought it was six. seven. Okay, Man. so they lose all these games. They lose in the finals that many years in a row. And we talked about this is they – I've never seen a program go from poor little Herman Town. Poor little Hermantown, they can't win the big one, Bruce Plant, poor little Bruce Plant and his little press conferences. And then they become the poor little rich girl. They win. Yeah, they win in 2016. And I don't even know if they had the bus had gotten back to Hermantown or from the banquet, <laughs> no, and Mr. they were the most hated Mr. program Hockey in the state. Hockey banquet, and it was over. <laughs> it was over, like the ban- Mr. Hockey Bank was in sixteen. From that point on, they were they were the most hated program in the state. How does that happen? I really think
1: that the seeds were planted on that before um, before that even. I think once St. Thomas left, people needed to direct they their hate. New hate, yeah, is somewhere, and they couldn't direct it to East Graham Forks because no. East Graham Forks, you know. It's East Grand Forks. It's yeah. more north. I mean, how <laughs> can I hate that, right? And, 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 they
3: have, and they have one little talent bubble, and you knew it was going to be a couple great years, and then that was kind of it. Exactly,
1: and <laughs> and one of the uh, games they like came back. To, oh, did yeah, they ever? it
0: yeah, was
3: a tough loss. 15. Yeah. It, it,
0: 15 was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, if you think of all the disasters of Hermantown losses, that, that's the one that really stands out in my yeah, mind. Yeah, the
1: Tommy yeah. Novak one was bad. Yeah, it was because bad. Because Lesnikar was had so much
3: more Oh, well, yeah, so we, we did. More. Yeah. Yeah,
0: we did. Yeah. <laughs> so, th- th- it's just it's crazy that we could talk Hermantown all day on this show, but I think it was a big part of... Class A. Th- when, they, when they moved that it changed Class A forever. Yeah. yeah. Or until we change it again at some point. Yeah. All right, Carl, let's roll through. We had 10 programs, and we were just going to read through some programs that haven't been relevant since their last appearance in the state tournament.
1: When the music died for these programs. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, South St. Paul uh 2004, uh, they were in the state tournament. They were in a state semifinal against Breck and lost. Uh, I think yep. that was the last it's the time
3: finals, as always, for Salt <clears throat> They did have
0: a decent run uh, a few years later with Alex Daylock and Justin Falk, but uh, no, no,
1: um, Wilcox.
0: Wilcox, sorry, Adam sorry, Wilcox. Adam Wilcox. The, I get those two mixed they're up. They're actually
1: of. The that's a good goaltender school recently. Yeah, oh yeah, and so yeah, those are two really sorry. salt.
0: Yeah, sorry, um, that was two thousand four, and Zach Palmquist was on that team as well. Yes,
1: I mean this team was very, very good in two
0: thousand eight. Yep. All right. Um, you got one, Carl? You want to read one off?
3: Um,
0: us
3: see. I, you, you have to listen in front of you you roll through it. I'll
0: just throw in comments. All right. I'm going to go uh, St. Paul Johnson, 1996. How sad is that? That's the last time we were in long. the state. I mean, we talked about the Minneapolis City Conference dying. It pretty much died in 96, too, at that point, right? Yeah. As far as relevance yeah, is and, concerned. And,
3: and, and Johnson hung on for a long time. It like they seem like they're sort of the exception, but, and, and even now they're still the, you know, I contender of public schools in between cities
0: but and they'll, they'll yeah. be okay next year too I think they'll be decent next year a lot of those guys won't will be seniors next year I think they'll be decent but I don't think they got enough to get over the hump well they had like Carl fish on their team
1: a couple of years ago yeah. right yep. who, who as you even said uh, this year on one of our shows like he's the best defenseman in the NAHL oh it's not even close yeah yeah so, yeah, I'm just saying they've had talent, they just haven't gotten past it.
0: Correct. Uh, I think we've talked about Southwest and Richfield already on the yeah. show. It's kind of uh,
3: interesting that Richfield and Kennedy both kind of died in 91.
0: Yeah. I
3: thought that some with Jefferson cannibalizing, but yeah, those two you know, first ring suburbs that.
0: So just kind of at the, same time. At, the same time. at same time. What year do we want to put Anoka's death at? Was it Was it 16 when they made it to state, or was that just an anomaly?
3: No. Well, I think 16 is when you have to really end it. Yeah, I'm sure things have been going downhill for a while since then, but they knew they had this little t- bubble of talent, and this was their shot, and they did it. They made it. They got sick
1: in the late 2000s. Let's put it that way. Yeah. They, yep. they they went to the hospital, and the doctor said that the, you're not going to recover. <laughs>
3: yeah, they had a great team in 2008. You know, yeah. they, they probably should have won 7-AAA, but you know, didn't. <laughs> then, right, They went on a little run, and then after that, they were off for a few years.
0: Here's a couple more. Um, uh, Burnsville 2020. I think after that senior class that was there that lost in the section final, I don't think the there's a lot of hope for Burnsville hockey over the next Seven to ten years, based on their youth program.
1: Yanni left. You know, like you start to look at certain keys. There's not the talent; isn't there? Yeah. The coach is think, now gone. Like, yeah, you, I think yeah. Y- y-
3: Yanni saw the writing on the wall, though. what happened there?
1: I, exactly, he did. Some could argue he did you know, and that's why he chose to leave. But, you know, that's kind of one of those, it's one of those moments in Burnsville that you just start to look back on. Okay, now we don't, that's when we lost our head coach. And this is when we
0: lost the section final. And this is, you know. I agree. I agree. All right, here's another one. Apple Valley. Um, uh, Yeah, I would go over this in about 2011. Yep.
3: No, they went to State in 2010 with, you know, I think freshman Hudson-Fashing, software, A.J. Michelson were you know, knocked off the lane, big upset, was good. and they came back next year, had a serious chance, very good team, but they lost to Egan in sections that year, and then uh, after that, you know, it's, 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 those, those two great players left early, and then there's been
0: nothing since. Right. All right, and then last but not least, a private school who has not been relevant for the last few years, Breck. Danny, you want to talk about yeah. Breck?
1: Um. So, what we know, and this is Really hearsay in a lot of ways. It is. Um, but Breck stopped giving, let's call it, need-based scholarships to hockey players. Right. It, and this is only hearsay, and this is only from Breck people. And, right. and, and so, grain of salt, obviously. Yep. Les Larson is no longer their coach. Yeah. Um, you know, they've kind of pulled off of the gas, and those players have gone to Blake. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and not kinda, all the Blake, but no, yeah, but that, no, type, of player, that, that type, type of player, that type of player. Has, I'm not naming names, but those type. There of have kids, been some
0: need. Oddly enough, there have been some needs-based players who are now at Blake. Yeah, so I, I,
1: Just uh, Minneapolis type of kids that yep. want to. Minneapolis,
0: St. Louis, Park, Champlin, those types of kids all now end up going to to Blake or and, or Bernild as. Peninsula's got a good history of those kids too,
1: and and it's kind of weird because Breck just built a new rink not too long ago, but they needed to, yeah, um, because their old rink, I mean, it had a hump in the blue line, yeah, like you would go downhill, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Then they needed a new rink, but it's just it's a weird type of thing for yep. Breck to do.
0: All right, so we talked about some turning point schools. Now let's get to the last decade.
1: Okay, so. I kind of focused on double A here um, with this because Class A, I, I think Carl and I both agreed that, I mean, the we, top. That you guys
0: hate Class A. So Well, yeah, that's yep, true. I agree. Okay,
1: That's true. But for the most part, Class A turning points happened at the state they do. tournament um, rather than in the season for these championship teams. Right. And so that was kind of what I focused on here is I went like the past 10 years or so on the championship team and how they changed how the uh, what their turning point was not the turning point for the season quote unquote but the turning point for the championship team yep okay So back in 2008, 2009, um, that was Eden Prairie who won in 2009. They beat Bloomington-Jefferson, which was having a historic season, really, for them. Um, They beat them 5-2 on February 10th. I was there. And that was kind of the... We knew that Nick Letty was really good. We knew Kyle Rowe was a sophomore. This was like a – they were a top three team in the state. It was Jefferson, Edina, and Eden Prairie. Those were the three teams. And we knew that Jefferson and um, Edina would meet in sections. But this is what really solidified Eden Prairie – you as know, the team. As the team yeah.
3: there. And cool. the other thing to note about this point is that this is before the current Lake Conference, so Jefferson yes. and Eden Prairie are kind of in their own little conference, and they, they really weren't playing that hard of schedule. And they you know, played play twice. Each other. They,
0: yeah, they played. Yeah, both so, were good games.
3: Yeah, and I think so, they split. So Prairie, yep. I think, was a little bit off the radar. You know, we knew they were good, but we didn't know they were that until they won that game. It's like, oh, okay, now we can see this team could win saves.
1: Eden Prairie's. So Dominance in the last decade is really tied to them going into the new Lake Conference and joining the classic Lake, let's call it, the teams. Because that's when Eden Prairie plays Edina consistently, when they play Minnetonka consistently and Moiseta. And then you see those games mean so much more around the state. And so that's where their prominence really comes into play. Um, and so that's kind of how that happened. The turning points, I thought, for the season was definitely the just shellacking that Edina put on Bloomington-Jefferson at Mariucci in the section final. Yeah. And then one of the biggest turning points in Edina history actually happened this year when they lost in this just unbelievably good Edina team in 2009, losing to Moorhead, which had nobody. Round. You know, it,
3: their only d one player was the backup goalie. Backup freshman goalie. And that was Bitzer, right?
1: Bitzer. Yeah. Yep. And he didn't play. Okay. No. It, nope. uh, I think Logan Nelson or uh, Logan, mm, uh, uh, Logan.
2: Uh,
1: uh, Logan. Uh, I'm looking uh, it up. Um <laughs> Logan Marks, yes, because I went to school with the Logan Marks, and so that's how I remember that. Um, but
0: you couldn't remember it. Like, no, but I ago. knew it was a Logan. I knew it
1: was a Logan. I knew it was a Logan. <laughs> All right. Anyways, great. so that was a I had a, a big...
0: girlfriend who lived on Logan once. Does that count for that?
1: Oh, nice street. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, so that was a big turning point just for Edina Hockey in general. Yes. Because that was, that was when Edina Hockey came back. In a lot of ways, because I think the year after that, or it was that year that they brought back the jerseys. Yep. And, and bringing back the jerseys really stapled Edina. Well, as it wasn't Edina. the
0: jersey that that made them staple. It was their youth program and yes. was built over the course of about eight years. With
1: well, this is when those youth players saw these kids. Yes. And, and saw them make it to state, and, and then it just builds on. Like that.
0: I think a lot of it's a weird demographic. Edina's got a weird demographic. The fact that, you know, a lot of these people have money, right? Let's just put that out there. But so their parents move out and the kids move into their house, kind of it's thing. They move weird. back in there. Everyone from Edina moves back to Edina. Bloomington Jefferson, they didn't move back to Bloomington Jefferson. No. They moved to Eden Prairie or Prairie Lake. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's, it's, it's the West Side had a weird. Yeah. Um, Edina it, people are. Are weird like that. Yeah, very much so. so. And that was a big part of it.
1: Um, okay, 2010, um, this was the year of Minnetonka, but Minnetonka didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, so Edina's 5-4 to four overtime win on February 11th proved that Minnetonka was beatable because yep. it was their only loss yeah. in the season, and it proved that Edina could beat them. And this was an Edina team I rem- that...
3: I remember watching this game, actually, you know, streaming it online, <laughs> and yeah, watching that game happen and like, oh, this, you, know, you start to see how how good Edina is. how their depth wear down in the talk. and talking. I also remember Giles just line matching Minnetonka you know, talking to death in that game and really winning that coaching match. And,
1: and the the key about this Edina team is this is this is the young kids. This was the Everson's brother in type of thing. This is this is the kids Didn't that do Manny
0: score the game winner in that game.
1: Could I don't have it in front of me, so I think he did. But it it was it was Freshman. one it was one of those things that you know this was the team that was supposed to be the rebuilding year for Edina, and, and that's what really triggered them in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I think Wally Chapman's kid Blake was on that team.
1: Could have been. I I don't know this team as well. Yeah, I was I in college was. at that team so. that
0: wasn't supposed to win it.
1: Yeah, this was the team that was never supposed to win it. I saw Minnetonka that year, and they were well, unbelievable.
0: Well, part of that has to do with the, the, the f- how many overtimes the night before? five. Yes, yes. Was yeah. it hill Murray?
1: Yes, four overtimes. Yeah, four overtimes. the
0: next day.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, the next year, 2011, even Prairie wins that year. Their turning point was November 15th.
0: <laughs> Is this when yeah, Kyle yeah. Rao yeah. decided to come back? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: yes. Kyle no Rowe, who was the best player, and the, him coming back solidified this team as being the best team. Now, they almost, you know, you could make the argument the double overtime win over Wyzetta in the section final was a turning point, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. for them. But, no, it, it was when Kyle yeah. came back is when this team won. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Next year?
1: Um, Benilt St. Margaret won in 2012. Oh. Um, so... in on December 30th, Jack Jablonski got injured.
0: Was it mm-hmm. December
1: 30th? Yes, I had to look
3: this up. Boy, it yeah, seemed it was like, the holiday tournament.
1: Yeah, and,
0: and this is when it felt like it was like in November, I believe you.
1: It, and now they still stumbled a little bit, but they had something to play for, and, and it just, it the team went off from there. I this mean, the, like
0: this is the first year of YHH. I wrote an editorial about. Checking as a result of it. It was like probably the first time anyone ever read Youth Hockey was because it was <laughs> such a hot topic.
1: Yeah. No, it was.
0: Yeah. And this okay. was Duluth another East. Senior year. Point.
3: Yes, Carl. To say, another 2012 turning point is Duluth East undefeated uh, going into hockey day and getting shellacked by Minnetonka. And I don't think. You know, they lost their aura of invincibility that day and they're never quite the same. And, and that
1: that's the same Minnetonka-Edina loss uh, uh, from mm-hmm. 2010 is what I felt the same way. It was late in the season. It was a weird hockey day. They had to play it at Pagel. It just so many yeah. things got weird on that day, and that was yeah, probably had, like, one of the turn points.
3: You could see the team after that. It's like they did not have the Christmas. They had it on Christmas when they were just steamrolling everyone.
0: Yeah, I, I compl- Did they win Schwan Cup too? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. East won Schwann Cup.
1: Um, East. Mm, yeah, what? they would have had to have won Schwann's Cup, Carl, yep. because yep. they were Yeah, They destroyed
3: Manitoba in the in the Cup final.
0: There we go. That's so funny.
1: Okay, twenty um twenty twelve twenty thirteen. won that year. Um, Edina won. won in fourteen and thirteen. It was kind of hard to find a turning point for them. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were just so good. It was almost like they were bored sometimes. Yeah, I I definitely noticed that. My 14-1, I will say that as kind of my turning point is kind of like that. But the 2013-1 was the survival on semifinal Saturday at Braemar against Bloomington-Jefferson. That was, you know, they needed to get past that. The trap game almost trapped them. But once yeah. they got
0: past that, they were just. I think they, the numbers were amazing after that. The, yeah. The blowouts after that. Uh, Connor Is that Hurley. Did the they beat Roso in the first game of the tournament, and just killed I
1: It could have been. Yeah. It, or Lakeville North. Um, it could have been. Um, Stillwater? Stillwater was the year after. Okay. That was in Sorry.
0: 2014. Yeah. All right. Um, but, but yeah, go back to that. I mean, how close was Jefferson to beating them that year? Uh, it,
3: they called Blaine, I think, in 13. In the
1: Jefferson game, yeah, the Jefferson game took literally the last minute and they almost turned the puck over into the net. We we have talked about this. We were listening to it on the radio, yeah, because that was the only way to hear about this. And it was just, it was insane how they almost lost. Like it it was, it was literally a a second away from losing for them, yep. Um, and they never really had that they were never threatened after that no um, in 2014 <laughs> uh, i'll say the turning point um, just personally was watching this team put at a minimum 64 shots on Hunter shepherd in the holiday classic <laughs> you we,
0: this this episode, this game makes their podcast every year every year you talk it, about it
1: because it, it was every one of year. The, uh, one of the most impressive games i've ever seen a single team just do i mean it,
0: did this Edina is, win? Yeah, they okay.
1: they won. Um, they won pretty. Uh, I think it was um, three to two in overtime or something or wow. regulation. But you have to remember, Rapids had the Mister Hockey Award winner. They had the Frank Brismick, uh, Brimsek. Yeah, there you uh,
0: go. Good work.
1: Award winner. You know, like yeah. this was this was a team that people were looking forward to seeing in the Metro, and right. Edina just.
0: Man-handled.
2: Them.
1: Manhandled them, just made them look stupid, and, and so that was that was a turning point for me to go like, okay, Dinah's going to win again. Yep. you know, and, yeah, that, and that's how I felt.
3: On, on the forum thread, someone else mentioned that they lost to Hill Murray badly that year. They lost the game six to one, and you know the key absolutely loaded, and. The expression on Powells' face in that loss was not not pretty. And and they did not lose after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would argue that this team was destined to win. I would say that the turning point for the season was the Stillwater win. Um, because that changed the dynamic of four aa Right and stuff. Right. Um 2015, the I know un- this one. Undefeated Lakeville North. Um, they became undefeated after beating Edina early at in the home early in the season at Ames. Tony, you and I were both there at that game. It
0: was a great game. I I <laughs> I, I got there at like five o'clock uh, for a seven o'clock game. Yeah, and uh, I remember how packed that place was, and I, for me, it was one of the best games I've seen live. You know, and, and it was back and forth all the way win, to the end. Was, it, it, there was no trapping. In this game. No, it was, it was flea-flowing. And, and it was the end. The quiz chances and
1: mishmash. And yeah,
0: <clears throat> so much talent there. So, yeah, that was, uh, to me, that was a, a, a turning point that they knew, yeah, we can win this thing. And, and we
1: can go undefeated.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they really were focused on being undefeated. Yeah,
1: but it, it was at a point where it was like they can win and they could win Winner- them all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was standing in the band with Mrs. Snyder actually, for that oh, game. Oh, God. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, so that was 2015, 2016. That was
3: Y Z. Can Zeta's. we another 2015 turning point? Sure. Ooh, I like it. Yep. Yeah, well, it's... Oh, yes. You, 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 sorry. Here. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I skipped and, uh, by that. We have to thank our, our friend from Anoka for bringing this up every time. You have to get an, Anoka's role in this. <laughs> but... Uh, no, late in the season, the East loses to Anoka. It's rock bottom. This looks like this team is going nowhere. No, they got killed by Grand Rapids earlier in the season. They're the three seed at best. You know, they're just you no. Know, it's probably seems like they have no chance in seven double A. And so the next, their next game is against Elk River. And I, I actually went up to Elk River that night and was watching with another friend of ours from the forum and. uh... East comes out with this, this this score check we're like, What what is Mike doing? What what is this? They're <laughs> just lining up three guys across the blue line. <laughs> but this Elk River team, you know, which was a top five team, they are, I think they had one players, they had Mr. Hockey. Mr. Hockey. And, and this game is dead even. You know, they they can't figure this thing out. It's it's a perfectly even game, back and forth, even shots, even chances, and it ends up in a one one tie in overtime. And you're just like, you know, this East team, they could go on a run. It could happen. And sure enough. <laughs> People, you know, four straight upsets through sections and states. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I'm going to argue that the biggest turning point in the 15th season was Dylan was getting hurt in the state tournament.
1: Yeah, that that played a huge role. <laughs>
0: I was talking to Rand about this yesterday on our podcast, and I go, did you know that he was hurt? And he goes, not until the second shift. (laughs) 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 Meaning like, oh, once we knew, you know, whatever number it wasn't out on the ice. 20. 20, 20. Once 20 wasn't out on the ice, we knew, you know, this was going to be a a, a dogfight. Again, it's well documented. That's one of the greatest games in State High School Hockey Tournament history was the East yeah. Ash Altman goal to win it. Yeah. So.
1: Um, okay. Moving on. 16. Uh, 2016, Wyzetta uh, won the State Tournament. I tried to look for a turning point. My turning point for them was them beating Edina in the semifinals Mm-mm. of section. No. You no. don't think so?
0: The biggest turning point was no. when Cretan beat Benilde. No. Benild.
1: Yes, that's the turning point <laughs> for the season, Tony. But why? Why Setta's biggest turning point was making it, it, it past Edina.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: But the biggest turning point of that season was semifinal Saturday. That was the craziest day. Yeah. That, w-
0: that was the that was the day Mo- must- Maple Grove beat Blaine. Right. Yep. That was
1: the day Riley talked like a hat trick. Yep. Right? That was the day the music died in a lot of ways. But oh. undefeated went down to Creighton. I chose not and, to go there because was I was in
3: the wrong place for all of it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, Danny and I were talking about this the other day. Um, I stuck at Braemar because the greatest game that we've I've ever seen was in the morning.
0: Yeah, the uh, Holy Family EP. That was no goal, right? The, the no, no goal, goal.
1: Casey. Being I'm the literally most Casey. my
0: my my mental stability was. Uh, because of that game was so crazy, I was uh, like off my game. I went and got sub. True story. I went to Loman's Plaza. I got Subway or something to eat at Loman's, which is, if you know, is four blocks from Bloomington Ice Garden. I you looked walk. down. I looked. I could have walked there from Loman's. I looked down at my phone, and it says. Vanild just loses to Cretan. I'm like, I'm four blocks from there and I'm not there. The biggest upset of the year. I think oh, yeah. easily oh, the biggest upset oh, yeah. of the year. For sure.
1: For sure. And then the blame one happened yeah, shortly like two after. Two hours
0: later it yeah. happened. I was like, what am I doing? You know, I'm yeah, sitting be, in Loman's Plaza. I was
1: sitting in Braemar, Spicy Italian. <laughs> Toasted. <laughs> <laughs> um No, I was in Braemar for that the next one, and it must have been like Burnsville versus Jefferson,
0: no, Burnsville, maybe versus Jefferson some. was a different section. by then I think, uh,
1: yeah. Anyways, uh, it was that was a waste, right? Um, right. Okay, okay. Two thousand and seventeen, um, Grand Rapids won state that year. Uh, there's okay. so
0: many turning points here.
1: But I'll turn to their semifinal win over Elk River. Um, Carl, in the third period. In, in the third period. Yeah. Carl was there for this one. I think this is probably... We were at Braemar, Prior Lake, and, in, and EP. In, when as was Casey was almost going down. Yeah. So um, And we thought that we were going to see Section Saturday happen all over again. Yeah. But, I mean, Carl, you'll agree that this is probably a pivotal moment for this Rapids team.
3: Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a team flip the switch as quickly and thoroughly as that Rapids team did in that third period. And you know, I'd watched them a couple of times on the stretch that year and they looked so flat, so uninspired. You know, they lost to Cloquet at the end of the season, which is how they ended up with the like, four seed, which is ridiculous. The amount of talent that team had,
2: Yeah.
3: and then, you know, they're just, and, and really the first two periods of that Elk River game were more of the same, you know, Elk River scores two goals, kind of just you know, feel like they're just kind of rolling along on their, <laughs> their destiny in the section final as Elk River's destiny is. <laughs> but, um, but then, uh, then the switch goes. Kevin Haynes scored a hat trick to pop in five goals and a couple of them in very quick succession. And all of a sudden, they just never looked back from there. Well, it was on a mission.
0: Yeah, that. but what was the what, the section final? They won an overtime, double overtime, or was that the mm-hmm. one they won with nine seconds? Yeah. I get those two mixed up. No, that was the double overtime one. God, what a game! Yeah,
3: They're, they had
1: a lot of moments that year. Rapids went so mm-hmm. up and so down, and so many different angles.
3: Like, yeah, it was. We were going to do it though. At that point, though, and it was like that, and then you know, like the Connor Steffen Gold's like yeah, it's going to come. You don't know who it's going to come from or where it's going to come. but That goal against Eden Prairie, the
0: Connor Steffen Gold still goes down in history. Is like, well, how did that happen? I know.
1: You know? How did? Yeah. It, I I look at the Holiday Classic for them too. I mean, the Holiday Classic they beat Edina. Yeah. Too. I, I mean that. That's such a monkey on Rarity. Grand Rapids back. Yeah. And they beat Ean Prairie in the Holiday Classic, too. Yeah. Didn't
0: they lose to Elk River, though? Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, River. It, Elk River might have been the best team in the state that year. Watch the spots. <laughs> <The> Ant- yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, it, that year
1: was a crazy year and a fun year, too. Yep. All right. Um, 2018, Minnetonka's year. I turned to their semifinal win over Chaska where Bobby Brink scored late in the th- um, second period. We were just walking into the ring. Yes, um, snowstorm. And, and all the Minnetonka parents were drinking outside in the lower lot, and they were telling us <laughs> of how Bobby just went bar down on a slap shot from the point uh, to uh, put them up by one goal uh, against Chaska. And that's when I, I really I look at that, and – that team followed Bobby Brink after that.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's
1: where Bobby took over the team.
0: Yeah, I know. And, and,
1: and you know maybe season turning points might be uh, Centennial beating St. Thomas and stuff like that. But yep. that that was when I knew Tonka had the man, right? Yeah. And, and that was that was their t- time. Um, okay, two thousand nineteen. Dinah's year. I look at um two thousand uh, February 9th um when they could, it was a packed, sold out arena, um two years ago when they beat Tonka at Braemar. That was my. I don't I'm know. To remember that game? That was sold out. It was two to one or something like that, and they beat Minnetonka when Minnetonka was still in their prime. I don't really have mm-hmm. a good um moment for them. I'm
0: trying to remember. The, the, the they, Tonka-Pagel game I remember was Sammy Walker. That yeah, was that was 18. That was, that was the year before that. Yeah, this was... Was that the year that, like, Brinkman's skate came off? Yes, I think that so. That was in 18. Yeah, yeah that, that wasn't this Different year. game. All right, different game.
1: This was just... They were at Bramar. This was to solidify the sweep of the Lake Conference. Really... Kind of stood that Tonka was not, you know, this was the beginning of the fall of Tonka that year. Yes, in a lot of ways. Um,
0: and I mean, that, was Tonka, was, that was Tonka's Was that was dream state year, right? It was yes. nineteen? Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. He really came on at the state tournament. Yes. But they were they were a decent team, kind of going. They just had stumbles against Chaska in the yep. um, hockey, hockey for, for life. life. Yeah. And, and, But this is – at this moment is when they really poured on the gas. Yep. Is when they kind of – I agree.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. And they had close
1: games against Benilde in the session final and stuff, but I don't know.
3: Um, know, It wasn't unlike 2010 in that you had the C-Dyna team that was, you know, a year after they were supposed to be at their peak, and and Minnetonka still kind of was. But then, you know,
0: you could – Carl? Carl just died on us. Yeah, the music died on Carl's phone. I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, the show just got way better now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we lost Carl. He he's off the phone. Okay. All right. So let's let's just, just finish a, it up. Do a quick wrap um, on 2010, 2020, tw- 2020. Hill Murray's win over Moorhead late in the season.
0: Yeah, this is one of those like we'll look back a, you know a year from now and we realize that that's the case. But but we didn't know at the time that the win over Moorhead was a big win.
1: No, because it looked like just an anomaly win at the end of the season that some teams were peaking and some teams were, you know, just not.
0: And obviously, Hill Murray never looked back after that.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm texting Carl. You're we're trying just to, going to close.
0: Just gonna, yeah, shut her down. I think it's time to end the show. Anyway, um, any more thoughts on, on on turning points? Any more thoughts on 2020 before we put a wrap on this? No,
1: let's just put a wrap on it. I would say if we see any more topics like this pop up on the
0: forum, we'll have a podcast. Oh, there he comes. He's going to come in and say goodbye.
1: Hey, Carl, we're wrapping it up now. Any oh, more thoughts? Okay, well, I'm back. Any what more- happened? <laughs> I want
0: to know. Was it? Was it? Did was it something I said?
3: Yeah, I just you know, I had
0: enough of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna put a wrap on the show. Thanks, Carl, for uh, for. Helping us out with the research on all these different topics because there's a ton of topics that we covered that we normally don't on the show. Yeah, Danny did a great job on the last ten years, and uh, really enjoyed you guys. I really, really enjoy if you really enjoy frozen pizza, go out to the 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 highest ranked. Barstool Sports Pizza uh, (laughs) out there. Uh, The lots of matza, half pound of cheese. Check it out. We really appreciate their sponsorship of our show. Thank you guys for for your participation in the show. We'll see you guys around the rink soon.
3: That was fun.
2: Love.